Welcome to Bible Study for Regular People. I'm Tana. Let's get started. The psalm today is chapter 62. The theme is placing all hope in God. Knowing that God is in control allows us to wait patiently for him to rescue us. True relief does not come when the problem is resolved because more problems are on the way. True relief comes from an enduring hope in God's ultimate salvation. Only then will all trials be solved. The author is David, possibly written during the days of Absalom's rebellion in 2 Samuel 15 to 18, which is a very similar opening to the last one we read, which is Psalm 61, which may also have been written uh, during the days of Absalom's rebellion or after he had escaped from Saul. Verse 1. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. So many enemies against one man, all of them trying to kill me. To them, I'm just a broken down wall or a tottering fence. They plan to topple me from my high position. They delight in telling lies about me. They praise me to my face, but curse me in their hearts. Hmm. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Common people are as worthless as a puff of wind, and the powerful are not what they appear to be. If you weigh them on the scales, together they are lighter than a breath of air. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Surely you repay all people according to what they have done. You know, I think this psalm in particular deserves a second read, just you and God. I just took a moment to read it a second time, and I feel like it's one that could really speak very, very differently uh, to each person who reads it when they read it thinking about their relationship with God. So I encourage you to do so. All right, moving along in the book of Proverbs, we are in chapter 16, verse 11. And I uh, realized here recently, I laugh a lot reading Proverbs. And you know, it has always been one of my favorite books. I don't know. I just like it. <laughs> All right. Chapter 16, verse 11. 
The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. Ooh, you know, we hear a lot talk about God setting the standard for goodness and righteousness and etc. etc. He sets the standards for fairness also. 12. A king detests wrongdoing, for his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. 15. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor freshens like a spring rain. So revisiting these four verses here about a king. It's a king who detests wrongdoing or an injustice, is happy with honesty, his anger is deadly, and his smile brings life. If you think of this as the heavenly king, God the Father as king, a king who detests wrongdoing, his rule is built on justice, is pleased with words from righteous lips, he loves those who speak honestly. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. And when the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. And it makes me ask myself, what have I done to make my king smile lately? Verse 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. <laughs> yeah. If you're stupid, you're going to lose all your money anyway. Verse 17. The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Mm. Yep. The bigger your ego, the harder you fall. 19. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Mm. 20. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. Ooh, that's worth a second read. The wise are known for their understanding. That's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say the wise are known for their grand speeches and words of wisdom. They're known for their understanding, meaning they probably think a lot more than they speak. And of course, there's been a few proverbs on that we've read already. It says, and pleasant words are persuasive. Mm. When we're bees with honey. Verse 22. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. Man, can Facebook make this its motto? Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it. 
please Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, use some discretion for all that is good in this world. <laughs> but discipline is wasted on fools. Man. Yep. Moving along to James. A refresh from last time. We have read in chapter 3 about controlling the tongue and how to tell if your wisdom is uh, just in your own head or actually from God. It says you know if it's of God because it is pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. In other words, not this whole, they disrespected me stuff, all right? That is not wisdom of God. Nobody, wisdom of God doesn't care about that kind of stuff. All right. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. We are now in James 4. Now, the book of James only has five chapters, so we're headed home stretch here. He's about to make his closing arguments. This one is subtitled, Drawing Close to God. Verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Ooh, I feel like he's talking to America right now. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And remember in Proverbs, it talks about seeking wisdom. Fools seek pleasure. Verse four. See, it all ties. It's one God. All right, verse four. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? When he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires... As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. And that comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. 
Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So I'm going to circle back to verse 2. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So I just was watching this show this weekend about life after death or something and it went through a lot of different things you know uh near-death experiences and mediums and reincarnation all this stuff mainly from you know a typical average person perspective not a not like a biblical one or anything and what struck me was how much energy people put into trying to communicate with um spirits and past loved ones etc and of course I'm not going to claim to know anything about that that I can't read in scripture per se I think there's a lot that goes on outside our lived experience but I'm no expert but what struck me was all the energy they put into that and I'm thinking if you put half that much energy into communicating directly to God instead of your family member not saying you can't love your family member and want to want to hear from them too but god is the one with the answers he's the one who brought him home in the first place and so it just it just stood out to me like huh whole different perspective you know um and here he says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. James is saying, go to him directly. Talk to God. My commentary in my Bible on this says, James mentions the most common problems in prayer. Not asking. Asking for the wrong things. Or asking for the wrong reasons. Do you talk to God at all? When you do, what do you talk about? Do you ask only to satisfy your desires? Do you seek God's approval for what you already plan to do? Your prayers will become powerful when you allow God to change your desires so that they perfectly correspond to his will for you. And I think if we're scared of like, quote unquote, praying wrong or whatever, that shouldn't stop us from talking to God. Just start the conversation. And maybe early on, a person's prayer might be to win the lottery or pass a test they haven't studied for, right? Things that probably praying about isn't going to do a whole lot. But I think pray anyway. Have the conversation. I think it is in trying to communicate with God and seeking him. Like, I think that is where the benefits come. And he, as he matures our faith, will help us to align our
our desires with his own. Right? Where we may pray more for wisdom in certain situations we're facing. Ways to be aware of the opportunities he puts in front of us. Whatever that situation is. My problem is I just kind of forget to pray most of the time. Unless there's something very specific. And I think I could really do better about not just praying when I have something specific, but just starting the conversation, even if there's nothing specific in that moment. But just praying to connect. And I want to tie what James says here with what we read a minute ago. Verse 8, he says, Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And in Proverbs, Solomon had written, which we just read, Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. Right? There are things far more valuable than materialism. And I think, in my opinion, that's one thing that makes it very difficult about living in America. The entire American dream is built on materialism. Kind of conflicting values. It's hard to balance. It's hard to keep priorities straight. And in some ways, practical. All the more reason to pray and connect, to stay in tune with him so we can, I guess, shut out all the noise. 